CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode of The Hash is sponsored by CypherTrace, a MasterCard company. This is The Hash Podcast. Stay informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more. All on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to the Coindesk Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome to The Hash on Coindesk TV and the Coindesk Podcast Network. I'm Zach Seward. We got Wendy O. We got Jensen Assey. We got Will Foxley. We are here to get you up to date on what's happening in the crypto world. And we got some layoff news that Wendy's going to help us out with. What's going on, Wendy? You know what, guys? I'm just so tired of all the layoffs and I'm so mad at all the, these companies that are doing them because I just feel like they have not been great planners. But we've got to get into it. So Nansen cut 30% of workforce to reduce expenses. And apparently it has been reported that Binance says it's focusing on talent density after reported layoffs. So let's get into the Nansen stuff first. Blockchain data analytics platform Nansen will reduce its staff by 30% and they're looking to cut costs. The CEO says he believes they need to make organizational changes to create the right conditions for those who stay. Despite the cuts, they still have several years of runway as it looks to build a substantial operation. And then as far as Binance goes, this morning, independent journalist Colin Wu from Wu Blockchain claimed that Binance may lay off 20% of its staff in June. And that is, again, a claim. So who wants to get this one and talk about layoffs? Because this is our favorite topic on the show. Go ahead, Zach. The beatings will continue until morale improves. That's the story here. And they're not going away anytime soon. I guess things were so good during the bull run that there's all these people who can be disposed of summarily when things turn south. It's pretty wild. I think Coindesk sadly has stopped updating that story, I believe. I'm going to fact check myself in a little bit. But they did a great piece of work in assembling all the many layoffs that we've seen since I believe last April. And it was something like 25 to 30,000 folks. So it's a significant amount of people who've lost jobs in this industry relating to the downturn in crypto asset prices. It's pretty crazy to see these ones. So, you know, Nansen, I guess it totally makes sense, right? Like, you know, they're serving a crypto clientele that has smaller budgets. As such, they cannot support the headcount that they were previously able to support. And that's a pretty significant you know, that's a pretty significant cut right there. If the stuff with Binance, um, you know, proves to be true, something like an 8,000 person workforce, 20% of that workforce could be gone. That's a lot of folks as well, right? So uh, these are significant numbers. These are significant uh, amount of livelihoods being impacted by these decisions. And it's always sad to see when people lose jobs and, uh, you know, face a new degree of uncertainty. So, you know, always top of mind that these are, these are human stories first. And then obviously sort of the bigger picture industry stuff 
that we we're all grappling with for these many months. But pretty crazy stuff to see that the the layoffs still are happening. I thought maybe they would be done by now, but they clearly are not. Will, what are you thinking? Yeah, I like all the stuff you added in there. And then again, like condolences to everyone who's going through this as it's definitely like a troubling time and frustrating. Uh, most people are experiencing layoffs right now at crypto companies. It continues like kind of drab or slowly. It hasn't been as fast and furious as it was, say, nine months ago, but it's still present. The two different layoff scenarios here are interesting, though. So Nansen, it seems like they're cutting staff because they're a service provider for a lot of different companies out there. They provide great insights into how wallets interact, where funds are flowing. People use them in order to trade. And so Nansen is basically totally exposed to this trading market, right? If trading dries up, I think we have the lowest volume for trading since 2020. Then you're going to see these service providers also drop because people who use them are going to actively be canceling subscriptions which means Nansen's bottom line is going to be uh, dropping. One interesting side note from this is they did raise $75 million in a recent series uh, for its total runway. And that seems to be like saving them during this moment or allowing them to continue to operate. But that doesn't mean that you can keep those people on staff. Just because you raise a lot of money doesn't necessarily mean that you have to employ these people. Like It's a business, so you have to make the decisions best for you. The Binance News on the other side of the story here is a little more interesting because I said that they're probably laying off like the low performers, right? So this Binance announcement seems more like the tech layoffs we've seen in traditional tech, right? Where there was huge amounts of people being employed by the Googles, uh, the metas of the world in 2020, kind of running into this pandemic hiring surge where people thought everyone was going to be online. And then three years later, it's like, oh, we have too many people. So they start laying off about 20% of their workforce. That's how I read the Binance story. Binance is still dominating uh, almost every single metric when it comes to exchanges. So I think they're probably just sort of like recalibrating. Last thought, they also are moving out of Canada. So it seems like, hmm, you know, maybe they don't need all those pe- people to open up that entire new market. Wendy, I'll throw it over to you. That was actually a good point when you mentioned Canada. I didn't really, I, I think I skipped that when I um, went over when I read the article earlier this morning. Didn't have enough coffee, coffee machine exploded. But considering the recent news that I believe it was Bybit that pulled out of the Canadian market, this makes sense. So it feels like Canada is going to be cracking down heavily on crypto asset companies. I do want to toss this over to Jen because I believe you are a Canadian. Is that true? Canada. Yeah. And an update on Binance in Canada. It looks like the Ontario Securities Regulator is still asking Binance to produce some documents. It's not really clear why they're investigating Binance since they've left the country, but that is an ongoing thing that we need clarity on. I think from a layoff perspective, when we look at a lot of these crypto companies, the last time they raised funds, they thought they were going to be able to raise again and didn't foresee a bunch of different events happening that affected the regulatory landscape. You know, we saw a bunch of companies go bankrupt in the industry. And so I think you can prepare for a bear market, but I really do believe that a lot of companies felt like they were going to be able to raise again. And now they're finding themselves in a situation where VCs are not allocating money to crypto companies because of the unclear regulation, and they're having to extend their runways. With Binance, the statement that Binance provided uh, Coindesk, I thought was interesting. They said it's not a case of right-sizing, but rather reevaluating whether we have the right talent and expertise in critical roles. For me, that feels a little bit like right-sizing. Like The statement just feels like a whole lot of nothing. And I think in layoffs, you have like if there are layoffs happening or if there are people losing jobs, like having that human element in your communications can go a long way. Zach. Yeah. And I think like, you know, some of those big lofty valuations that some of these firms raised at uh, in the good times, they can also come back to 
to bite you, right? When you're trying to top those valuations and you can't just because valuations in the space have sagged so dramatically. So that's also, I think, a factor at play, perhaps with Nansen and potentially others. I just did want to fact check myself. So Coindesk did the Herculean work of tracking from April 2022 all the way up to March 28th of 2023 in terms of the layoffs in the crypto sector. Last, at last count, it was 29,868 crypto jobs had been lost. And obviously, we've seen significantly more since the end of March. So that is definitely north of 30,000, just a stunning number to, uh, to put in context for still relatively small industry employee-wise. Uh, Jen, saw your hand. What are you, what are you thinking? Can I add a glimmer of hope? Like, I know I've said this before, but, but no, do we, nope. do we, let me add a glimmer of hope. Let me do it. Do uh-huh. we feel like maybe there's all of this talent that are not bound by contracts right now, are not bound by non-competes, you know, have different interests in the crypto industry and maybe the tech industry at large. And possibly the bittersweet takeaway is we're going to see some really great innovation coming out of these dark times. That's, I, that's my final thought. I don't know if anyone here can agree with me, but that is my final thought. There is hope and a glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. I personally think that maybe some of these people that got laid off or are looking for work in the industry that do have actual talent, they'll go out on their own and they'll build something really cool. So fingers crossed that's that that happens. That was such a nice little optimistic note to nice. end that segment on. That was so, that was so, so nice. That was so nice. All right, Will, take it over. What do you got? Okay, let's go to Bitcoin. Let's, let's stop talking about sad stuff. Let's talk about fun stuff, making Bitcoin fun again. Did you know there's a way to mint an NFT in Ethereum and then port it over to Bitcoin, burn it on Ethereum, and now you have a Bitcoin NFT? Well, that's a BRC2721 standard token, which is quickly becoming a thing on top of Bitcoin. It's the idea that you could port or teleburn something on Ethereum, an NFT, and then move it over to the Bitcoin blockchain and prove that you've burned it on Ethereum so as to verify that it's only on one chain and hopefully bring over some of the value as well. This is a pretty fun concept. A few people are doing it. Shout out to Charlie Spears of Nakamoto, who was one of the first people to actually start doing this, I believe back in February. He teleburned his Milady from Ethereum onto Bitcoin, the first person ever. And now that Milady does not exist on Ethereum, but she exists on Bitcoin. Right now, we have a few people following suit. This isn't a huge phenomenon because I think a lot of the liquidity, a lot of the volume still exists on Ethereum. But if the Ordinal's ideas continue to take off, I think we could see more of these tokens migrate over to Bitcoin, which of course is the bigger blockchain. Zach, I'll throw it over to you for some Milady talk. First of all, Miladies, Jen, hit me. Come on. Here we go. Yes, we got it. Nice. That was awesome. All right. Thank you for doing that. Second of all, Teleburn, we love the tech. We love the experimentation. We also love the experimentation with language. So Teleburn, is that, was that what you said? Teleburn? Will? Teleburn. Teleburn? Teleburn? Amazing. We love it. We love to see the experimentation going on on the Bitcoin blockchain. For years, I think it had been quite dormant as it related to the development of dApps. And now we're seeing all these people do fun stuff with it. They're making Bitcoin fun again. I think that's really cool to see. So the idea that this is happening related to NFTs is pretty cool. You know, the momentum here is not stopping. It's only been, I don't know, two, three months since a lot of this ordinal stuff has really popped off. Correct me if I'm wrong, maybe January. So five, five months, I guess. Uh, but it is fascinating to see sort of the pace of uh, innovation over in that world pick up. Um, and I think it, again, could lead to a bunch of more fundable sort of Bitcoin only projects uh, that will emerge onto the scene uh, as it relates to some of these venture capital funds who have a bit of dry powder left. So uh, interesting to see what comes of this one and whether or not some of the, uh, again, as you mentioned, 
trading liquidity will also migrate over to some of these emerging emerging ordinals marketplaces. Pretty wild to watch though for something that had been a pet rock for all these years. Now Bitcoin is supporting cool stuff. Wendy, I see you cringing. I see you cringe fluencing. I think that I think that I think the tech is really cool. I'm excited for all the building that's happening on Bitcoin. I think it's outstanding. My only concern is is that I don't know how it's going to translate to the masses because again, even with just like the regular Ethereum based NFTs, those took a little bit of time for people to understand how to use those. Plus all of the self custody, how that works. Um, a lot of my Tic Tacers that watch me, um, they still have no idea how to safely custody their coins or their NFTs. So I get a little bit nervous about people that are on Bitcoin doing that because again, NFTs are kind of for the masses in my opinion. So that's just my only concern is they're not going to know how to use this type of technology. And I just don't want to see them get wrecked. So they'll learn. Getting wrecked is part of the fun. Part I guess so. Tuition. So. There you go. And I couldn't grab my hat in the back, my my wizard hat, mm. but it's back there. Mm. Mm. No, this this is pretty sick. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm a big fan of this. I've been a vocal NFT hater on the show for quite a while, and the reason for it is because it wasn't on Bitcoin, the most pristine blockchain. That's and not the reason. Is. Well, that's never no. the reason. Pristine. You that's <laughs> never the reason you get. I'm just channeling my Maxi friends there. I was just channeling them. No, I a lot of NFT projects I don't like. Like I like some of them. Like I like the Pangus. Those are super cute. I like the Miladies because they're hilarious. So I, I think it's just a taste thing with me. I like certain collections. But the Bitcoin stuff is really fun because you actually have the ability to do some things that you've been able to do on Ethereum for quite a while on Bitcoin for the first time. For instance, MetaMask, a lot of people have used MetaMask. It's kind of weird. It's like, oh, I'm logging into the Web3. I'm able to use these tokens, these public-private keys to sign into things. You can do that with Bitcoin now. There's things like Unisat's wallet. You can log in. has a very similar feel to Ethereum or MetaMask. You can log right in. You can go purchase an NFT. You can go flip things. You can look at collections. It all exists on Bitcoin now. And it's been happening over the last five months. So while there have been layoffs and some sad stories around the industry, there is genuine innovation being built on Bitcoin and other chains right now that are worth paying attention to, specifically Teleburn Miladies. <laughs> Teleburn Miladies. Teletubbies. Teletubbies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you can make a collection. There you go. Isn't this the beginning of a new era? I know we're going to talk about like Bitcoin versus Ethereum and that narrative that went on for such a long time. And now, like, if we look at the price, right, the people, the experts, they're saying the prices are decoupling, but now the ecosystems are coming together. I feel like, again, this is like kind of a cool feel good story. Like, we're not fighting anymore. We're working oh, together. The fights are going to no? be so bad. The event I know, so bad. but at no. the end of the really day, bad. It's going to get better, I feel. And I'm going to fuel the fire because I think it's absolutely hilarious. It's going to get worse, but then it's going to get better. And so I think that's cool, Zach. I think, I think Bitcoin becoming Ethereum is, is pretty bad. They should both be distinct things, but I don't know. It's crazy. But the thing is that actually like Bitcoin is not changed. People are just building on top of it or building with it. And isn't that what Bitcoin is for? Like you could do whatever the heck you want with it. I don't understand why people's panties are in a bunch about it. Like, like the Bitcoin Maxi's argument was, oh my God, Ethereum is Nest Coin, even though most of them participated in the ICO. Most of them launched coins and did all kinds of other crazy stuff in the early days. So now that people are back to Bitcoin, this is actually helping mass adoption. Isn't this what they want? Or do they want to run like a little small group and not include everybody? It's like Bitcoin is supposed to be censorship resistant. You don't get to pick and choose who participates in it. It's absolutely ridiculous and makes no sense to me. It's a very hard concept for me to understand. Like, I just, I don't get it, but more power to you. Amen to that. I actually love that. That was a nice little, that was good. 
Is identifying and mitigating crypto risk a challenge? Do you need help balancing compliance issues with the need to protect against fraud? CypherTrace, a MasterCard company, can help. They work with banks, governments, regulators, exchanges, and other crypto entities to identify risk, trace the movement of crypto funds, and help comply with global regulations. Visit CypherTrace.com today for more information. Let's hop into the time machine. Crypto is crazy. We're going back to 2018. You got Jimmy Song, Bitcoin maximalist par excellence. You got Joe Lubin, <laughs> Ethereum co-founder and major funder of many an Ethereum project. They're at Consensus, Coindesk's flagship conference. They're on stage and they agree to what they later describe as a max Payne bet. Let's see a clip from way back when. More and more of the world will take Bitcoin as, uh, as sound money and store their value in it. And that's, 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 uh, that's, what, that's the major thing that's going to change everything else. If we can come up with some crisp criteria, I will bet you any amount of Bitcoin uh, that you're wrong. What kind of criteria? We wanted a maximum pain bet. So if Joe's right, then presumably Ether will be much more valuable right. than Bitcoin. So I would have to pay him Ether. And if I am right, presumably Bitcoin will be much higher than Ethereum, in which case he would feel the pain. Yeah. So it's a maximum pain kind of bet. Skin in the king, right? Yeah. Like that's, right. that's the idea. All right. So as flagged by former Coindesk reporter Brady Dale, as seen there in that video in conversation with those two gentlemen, the end of that bet, the end term of that bet, end of this month, 2023, that was when the bet would get settled, according to the agreed upon terms. Now, the bet was whether or not there was going to be more active users on Bitcoin than on Ethereum, et cetera, et cetera. And so what Coindesk has done has gone back, looked into the data and seen, at least according to the best of our ability, who would have won that bet? It looks like maybe Joe Lubin on the Ethereum side would have won it by a nose, but even that might be disputed. And I don't think we have a clear winner. I'm going to throw this back to Will because it is a nice little history corner. That is some good content when you get an onstage bet, high stakes bet agreed to by two prominent figureheads. What's your take on this? And what does it say about where we are in the industry five years later? You can't program that content on events. That's just spontaneous. Great stuff from Coindesk there. I love that. Great stuff from Brady Dale. Shout out, Brady. Uh, yeah, I think this sort of brings us back to like the early days of Ethereum, honestly. So like wind back the clock 10 years from now and five years from the placement of this bet to 2013 of Vitalik thinking about what could be possible on top of Ethereum. If you go into the white paper, you go some of the early documentation looking at what he was thinking of. It was like a lot of different use cases, right? And Joe Lubin bought into this. So whether it be financial contracts like we see with DeFi, Oracle services like we see with Uniswap or Chainlink, or even really weird things like agricultural hedges and financial products for agriculture, that was an idea as well. And all these things needed users at some point. And so that was sort of like the constraint here. Did Joe Lubin see that there was going to be users and did they were those users like enticed to be using a decentralized application for all these different use cases? And on the other side of this bet, Jimmy Song is thinking from a Bitcoin maximalist perspective, no, a blockchain really only has one function and that is for moving money around. And Bitcoin, therefore, is going to be a little bit better. That Bitcoin argument really hasn't changed too much over the years while the Ethereum argument has sort of moved so much, right? So 2018, no one really saw the rise of NFTs. I bet you that in the top five applications we're talking about for this bet, OpenSea or Blur is going to be in there. That's not something I think 
Joe Lubin or anyone else would have really called out. They would have called out something else. But there's a lot of different applications on Ethereum right now that I think do fit this criteria. The question is, does it come down to metrics that you can really measure? I think there's going to be some disputes on either side for this one. Wendy, I'll throw it to you. I think that this is an interesting story and it's kind of fun. Um, fun fact, I had Jimmy Song on my show like a million years ago. I think it actually was 2018 and he was always very combative, but like a very, very nice guy. I don't think that anybody was going to really fully think that NFTs were going to do what they did. I, like when I saw them coming out, I want to say it was like 2021 when we had like this NFT market, like this NFT boom. I was kind of surprised to see them actually be used, especially by so many people. So I think it's an interesting story. It's fun. But again, and I, I also didn't see that BRC20 tokens and ins inscriptions on Bitcoin happen either. It's just kind of something that came out of the blue. So this go does go to show that people who are getting laid off maybe are building some cool stuff. Jen? It's the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, this, these innovations come from hard times. I want Lubin to win this bet. But I think if we look at the terms, which were not written down, I think what we can learn from this is write down the terms of your bets so that they are easily verifiable later when you go to cash in your $500,000, which is now more than doubled. Uh, I want him to win. But some of the dApps that are outlined in this story don't really fit the dApp criteria. You know, one is wrapped Ether. I think Tether and Circle are in there. And there's some contention back and forth, whether these can be constituted as dApps. Zach, I'll give you the last word before we move on, though. I mean, the, the we're still early remains true here and is pretty sad, in my opinion, right? Like, I think, like, probably these guys would have imagined that this would have been decisively decided by this time. And, it, and, it's, and it's not. It's very much not. It's very much in question. I think Coindesk, to its credit, did a great job of tracking down different opinions in this piece and saying, okay, well, this one isn't app, this one, this one isn't, et cetera, et cetera. So it is like, you know, it is quite shocking that there is this little monthly active user base on a lot of these on-chain applications uh, five years after this bet was uh, first proclaimed. But yeah, we're still early, you know, for better or worse. I think that's it for that story. I think you're taking it, Jen. I'm taking it. I'm taking us home. Sotheby's is having their second 3AC auction that's going to include The Goose, a landmark piece by generative artist Dmitry Cherniak, who is also Canadian which was purchased by 3AC co-founders Suzu and Kyle Davies for $5.8 million. The art is part of the collection seized from the bankrupt crypto hedge fund and will mark the largest ever live auction of digital art, according to Sotheby's. Zach, I'm tossing this one right off to you. What do you make of this in the middle of a bear? This was purchased for $5.8 million, and I didn't mention in my intro there that there's a whole collection of art here, I think dozens of pieces, and Sotheby's is expecting to get just over $5 million for all the pieces together. What do you make of this? Well, I saw the goose in the piece of art. It took me a little bit. I had to crane my head a little bit. Yep, there, there it is. <laughs> there There's it is. the beak. That's awesome. I can see it. So I'm feeling good about that. Uh, secondly, I, when I first saw this, uh, that Sotheby's was associated with the 3AC, I think it's the Starry Night NFT collection, right? I was actually pretty shocked that they had went out on that limb and sort of, I don't know if it's necessarily like a, a, a toxic batch of assets, but certainly the 3AC brand, you know, took a big hit there. So for Sotheby's to say, hey, we're jumping in. We have this former portfolio from the 3AC guys. I thought that was a really interesting move by them because it sort of suggested like, hey, you know, we're here for the art. We're not necessarily here for the negative associations with what turned out to be uh, a pretty harmful uh, experience for a lot of folks. So I thought that stood out to me that they are like maybe having the conviction to be like, okay, we're going to snatch this up and, you know, see what we can do with these, uh, with these works. So I thought that was actually kind of interesting. But beyond that, I mean, I think obviously NFT markets are pretty down uh, across the board. And we've discussed that in the past. 
So yeah, we'll be curious to see what they ultimately bring in from this collection. Uh, Wendy, what are your thoughts? I think that it's to me, it's not a terribly interesting thing because let's face it, if you look back on a lot of the art, like a lot of very, very well-known artists in history, they didn't have the best pass either. And that's probably why it made it very famous or infamous to own. So I think it's just kind of part of the art industry. I think it's very interesting, but to me, it's a big nothing burger. Wendy, I think that's the third time this week you've said that a story is a nothing burger. This She's week is like it. full of boring news. Like I just, I don't know, maybe I'm just meh, but I just feel like stuff is so boring and it's not like very exciting and whatnot. Will, Will, I disagree. Will, what if I told you, what if I told you that all of these pieces were teleburned onto the Bitcoin blockchain? How hype, <laughs> I'm max how hype would you be? You're max bidding. I'm max bidding. Immediately. would go to Sotheby's right away. Is that how you say it? Immediately. Right away. Do we like the goose? That is the question here. I like the goose. I like the goose. I like the goose. I love the goose. We like the goose. We like the goose. That looks like a fidget spinner or something. It doesn't look like I know, it does. It's algorithmic. I thought it was a hand at first. Wendy, algorithmic. Art. I like real uh, art. That's like computer generated. It's real. <laughs> it is real goose art. Art can be made with multiple different tools. We don't, we don't have to agree. Displayed on agree many to disagree. Media. It's a cute <laughs> goose. I like it. Cool. I'll close it out. Uh, that's it for the show today. Thanks for being here. This has been The Hash. I'm Zach. We got Wendy O. We got Jensen Assey. We got Will Foxley. We'll be back again tomorrow. Same time, same place. Thanks for being here with us. We'll talk to you soon. Bye now. You've been listening to The Hash on the Coindesk Podcast Network. We would like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, The Hash, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details.